What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host for today, Simon Villanos, a.k.a. Coach V, and we are continuing our series of season previews for the 2022 Colorado High School football season. Uh, Like I've been saying before on previous episodes, as well as Cody and Mason, we are going to cover every single 11-man football team here in the state of Colorado, uh, high school that is, before the season starts. Hopefully we'll have about a week or so before the season starts when the series ends. And so with each team, we're going to talk about the record last year, seniors they're graduating slash key players they lost uh key players they have going into this year some stars to look out for and then we're gonna predict the record slash give them a window of wins aka wow uh window of wins basically means like the kind of um i guess the range of wins that we feel like each team is capable of and that's how many wins they'll um you know they'll they'll basically end with at the end of the season because each team does schedule a different amount of games and Anywhere between 8 to 10, so that kind of helps us out there. But on this episode, we're going to talk about a lot of teams uh, south of Colorado Springs. I know on, at least on my last two season preview episodes, really focused on the Colorado Springs area um, and around it, but... You know, we're going to continue to head south here as I do have that responsibility for the most part. And we're going to talk about pretty much all the, well, all the Pueblo teams and then a couple teams surrounding there as well as a powerhouse very much down south, which I'm super excited to talk about. But we'll get to it when we get to it. Let's go ahead and hop into this. Let's start this thing out and talk about Pueblo West. So last year, they are arguably the best team out of Pueblo. Um, They are, first off, the only 4A team out of Pueblo. The rest of those teams in that Pueblo area are either 3A and below. So just keep that in mind. But last year, it went 7-5. Did lose in the playoffs to Palmer Ridge in double overtime 28-27. And so that includes that 7-5 record there. But I believe they also beat Vista Peak Prep uh, in the playoffs 52-0 in the first round. So regular season record of six and four, postseason record of one and one. Uh, let me go ahead and talk about the regular season. So they opened up against Pine Creek. I talked about how this could have, you know, potentially been a trap game for Pine Creek. Uh, when I was predicting this game last year, I think I still favored Pine Creek, but I said I wouldn't be surprised to probably the West one. Well, Pine Creek won 27 to zero. It was uh, it was not close. And uh, that was kind of tough, but West would bounce back and beat Pueblo County 48-0 basically the next week. They then followed up that dub with a 35-16 drumming of Adams City before they would go ahead and play Palmer Ridge in the regular season. Uh, this was not a pretty game at all against Palmer Ridge. Lost to them 41-14. to um, Palmer Ridge was firing on all cylinders and West just could not keep up. But they would bounce back and go ahead and beat down Pueblo East 31-0, uh, take out Coronado 51-7, beat a very quality Mesa Ridge team 35-14, then lose a close one against a Fruta Monument team 26-21, a very underrated team, still an underrated team even going into this year as well, but we'll talk about them probably on another episode. So there you go. Uh, then against Fountain for Carson, I felt like this game was kind of going to be a battle between two potential dark horse teams here in 4A. 
Bounce and Fort Carson came out and they won this one straight up 30 to 10. Uh, was not as close as I thought it would be, and so that was really interesting to me. But didn't matter as they would bounce back here in the regular season and beat Rampart 50 to zero. And like I said, went on their way to go ahead and beat Vista Peak 52-0 in the first round before losing a tough one against Palmer Ridge 28 to 27. Probably a game that they could have won. Whenever it's a one-score game or a one-point game, I mean, I think that's a very obvious thing to go ahead and assume. Now, just a couple notes from last season here. Uh, they relied heavily on the rushing attack. Went over 2,200 rushing yards, and honestly, their offense did struggle at times and their passing game was just inefficient you know I well not just me by the way Cody as well we both kind of felt like this offense could have taken a step forward you know going into this 2021 season Cole Brinkley would be a little bit more efficient a lot more efficient actually and you know this uh Pueblo West offense would really be popping off we had a lot of faith in them you know, um, just get it, getting it going on offense. But honestly, they struggled at times throughout the season. In all their losses, well, not all their losses, but in the majority of their losses, they failed to score over 20 points. Um, Fountain for Carson only scored 10. Pine Creek, 0. Palmer Ridge, only 14, which are garbage time points for the most part. And then you have these close ones against Fruita Monument and Palmer Ridge where you couldn't score over 30 to win in a shootout. And so, a little disappointing. I'm not going to lie. Really disappointing. You know, but they still did their thing. You know, this is a talented squad. Unfortunately, they are graduating a lot of players though. And so, let me talk about the guys they are graduating. So, first up, Vladimir Dabovich. He was our, well, he was one of our top five interior senior lineman in the class of 2022 i believe he was number three uh very good lineman you know great blocker great pass blocker great run blocker he is definitely going to be missed as he was one of the best guards in the entire state last year and so that's not going to be easy to replace uh as he was a physical like beast and just manimal all together but he was also very skilled at what he did and so like i said not going to be easy to replace straight up you're also losing sontag porter uh mostly known for his uh, contributions on the defensive side of the ball had 10 sacks and 53 tackles uh, for this defense was the sack leader for the squad they're also losing tyler cullen their starting middle linebacker who had 70 tackles two sacks i believe he was an honorable mention for interior linebacker potentially could have made our interior linebacker list but was kind of on that edge of there but a very good linebacker who could cover who could hit a uh, great run stopper and so that's going to be tough they're also losing their leading tackler as in those last two guys weren't their leading tackler in Lamaine Aaron he led with 86 tackles and so uh, kind of losing a lot on defense here they're actually losing seven of their top 11 tacklers on defense so they're only returning four of their top 11 tacklers from last year so kind of a big hit for the squad in general uh, at running back you're losing Jer Jeremiah Sanchez and Hunter Johnson these two running backs, along with Brinkley, made up the top three rushers for this team. Sanchez leading with 835 rushing yards and 14 touchdowns. 
Johnson had 350 yards and four rushing touchdowns. And then you also have Cole Brinkley. I mentioned him as the senior quarterback from last year. Uh, Like I said, struggled at times. Only passed for 908 yards and seven touchdowns to five interceptions. But was productive on the ground. Ran for 437 yards and nine touchdowns. So kind of losing a lot of production here. If you're Pueblo West, uh, you're losing a lot the majority of your defense a lot of your producers on your defense uh, you're losing alignment here in vladimir dabovich at least one in vladimir dabovich you're losing your uh, basically your entire backfield between your quarterbacks and running backs and so going into this next year they're definitely going to be a younger team and they might actually in my opinion they're going to have a different identity going into this year because even though they are a younger team they're still a talented team but just in a different way and so let me go ahead and talk about key players here starting with our guy part of pmc fam gavin lockett here uh been rocking with bro since he was with the pueblo predators back in his middle school days he was a freshman last year got hurt i believe it was a collarbone and then came back i got to see him at tfg tryouts you know we've obviously been in touch since then and it's looking like it's going to be his time to lead this pueblo west offense at quarterback as a sophomore and let me tell you what this kid is talented a legitimate dual threat somebody who could run the ball and throw the ball you cannot and i mean this like sincerely you cannot just allow him to run the ball because he'll gash you for a couple and if you're really not paying attention he'll go ahead and run for a 50-yard touchdown on you while he's at it Um, but also he has a great arm he's been working on his mechanics a lot Uh, he's a pretty smooth thrower of the football I've liked what I've seen the last couple of years and whatnot and he's just he's gonna be a star just straight up he's gonna be an absolute star for this team and it's his time to take over And with him at the helm, you know, things are already pretty bright. But let me go ahead and talk about the guys around him, starting with returning receiver Gage Martinez. Uh, First off, kid led in receiving yards and touchdowns last year. And so going into this year, he can have an even bigger breakout year statistically and be one of the top senior receivers in this class. He's definitely somebody that is in contention for our top five senior wide receivers in the entire state of Colorado. And he's definitely somebody that teams have to double team or he's going to kill you. He could do a lot with the ball in his hands, super shifty, uh, but you know, he does a good job of getting separation as well. So definitely a wide out one type, but You know, Pueblo West, they also have this other receiver just moved actually from my very own hometown down in Dallas, Texas, Plano, Texas, specifically in Titus White. 6'4", 210, he's at 6'4", now, I know he's listed at 6'3", but uh, I gotta confirm that he's at 6'4", 210, and he is a natural athlete played wide receiver tight end down in Plano moved to Pueblo over this last year and he's an absolute beast go ahead and look up his highlights and whatnot but he's a big bodied receiver uh somebody who will win jump balls doesn't matter how many guys you throw at him he's gonna beat you straight up um believe he he might be listed as a tight end or 
I want to say he's listed as a tight end, but is playing more of that wide receiver role. Uh, we'll see. No matter what, they're going to use him a lot. He's going to be somebody that could absolutely body dudes. And then, you know, with the ball in his hands as well, he's a very physical football player. Going to break a lot of tackles. And he's just one of those guys who are freak athletes from Texas. And so look at Titus White to absolutely be somebody that could bust up coverages while people are paying attention to Gage Martinez. You're going to figure out real soon here that you have to be paying attention to Titus White just as well. And so automatically you got two receivers here who in my opinion are both wide out one type of guys. Like you can't just leave the other guy open. And if you do, they're going to make you pay in one on one. One guy is more finesse, he's going to burn you. The other guy, he's just going to outmuscle you and put you down straight up. And so <laughs> teams going to actually have to they're going to actually have to plan for these two receivers cuz they're going to be a problem. Uh, on top of that, I'm going to throw out this name here as well. Um, you know, a, a little bit of a sleeper. Not many people outside of the Pueblo community may know about him just yet here, at least in the football world. But we have Donovan Robinson here. He's going to be a junior, about 6'1", 180-ish, you know. And if you look at his film, well, if you look at his huddle film, a lot of it is JV. But broke, broke a jump, and he's fast as well. Altogether, he's a pretty good athlete, you know, and he's probably slated to be that third receiver. Did start in a playoff game, I want to say, against Palmer Ridge, or maybe it was Vista Peak, but did get a start last year. And going into this year, I mean, if you got Gage Martinez uh, in the slot or the outside, whichever one, and then you have Titus White on the outside, and then you have this kid Donovan either inside or out. You're going to have some problems here because you got three receivers who are all supreme athletes that you got to figure out how to cover. Either you got the athletes to go one-on-one -on -one or you don't. And if you don't, then you better hope that your zone coverage is on point, which not many Colorado teams won't run complicated zones and whatnot. So at that point, you really got to hope that your pass rush could get something going against this Pueblo West team. And even then, you know, they might still get the ball out. So, there you go. A very, very explosive offense right here. Um, Gage and Titus both will be seniors. Donovan, like I said, is going to be a junior. Lockett's going to be a sophomore. You know, this is a squad that's going to be absolutely dangerous, you know, if they air it out and do all that stuff because you're going to get to a point where you can't guard everything. You can't guard the passing game as well as this run game led by Lockett, obviously, with his feet. But I'm sure Pueblo West will find another running back to get in there and have similar production. And so it's going to be a difficult offense to defend. And they'll probably be a top five offense in the entire state. State. I'd be surprised if they weren't so there you go uh, now one other name I do want to throw out there more so because of uh, you know what he does defensively is Jacob Trader here he was the second leading tackler on this team with 77 tackles also had 16 tackles for losses along with two sacks uh, not many defenders are returning to this team and so returning a high production player in Trader will be huge and, you know, keeping this defense together or keeping what you can of this defense together here. Because this defense, I think, is really going to have to just grow uh, this season. You know, you did what you could this offseason, but no matter what, you just don't have that much experience returning here on defense. And so you kind of live what you got and work with what you have uh, type of deal here.
Alright, so let's go ahead and get to the record. Uh, well, let's get to their schedule for this 2022 season slash predict it. Talk about window of wins. So as of right now, they have 10 games scheduled. That is the maximum amount of games you can have scheduled during the regular season. Uh, their season, actually, interesting enough, starts on August 19th against Grand Junction. That might be the earliest game out of any Colorado high school football team this season. So that might actually be the home or season opener for this 2022 season. So that's really interesting. Um, but out of these 10 games, I have them going eight and two. And so let me go ahead and run down the schedule real quick here against Grand Junction. I absolutely be, uh, I feel like they should beat them. There should be no reason why they lose to them really. Um, Nothing against Grand Junction. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but, you know, this Pueblo West team has way too much talent to drop that game. So, boom, there you go. The following week, I am for sure going to be at this game here. This will probably be the first game of the season that I personally will be attending. I don't know about Cody and Mason as of right now, but that is August 26th, Friday in Pueblo, we got Pueblo West versus Dakota Ridge High School. And this will be a good one. You do not like football if you do not watch this game or do not want to watch this game. Because this will be a great football game, I'll tell you what. Uh, the offensive explosions that will be going off in this game will be insane. I would not be surprised if this game ended 45-40. to 40. Or something wild like that. Or maybe a little bit more. Like 35 to 30. Or something like that. But this will be an absolutely great game. Uh, great game really to start out this season. And so that's why I'll be down there in Pueblo. To watch this one myself. With my own eyeballs. With my own eyes here. On the 26th. But I think I'm still going to go ahead and give Dakota Ridge the edge here. Uh, look. This Pueblo West team is still relatively young. Compared to Dakota Ridge. Dakota Ridge they are returning a number of players here including their star running back arguably the best running back in the entire state uh noah triplet and then on top of that they are getting a very talented quarterback in blake paladino who will make his season debut i assume right here against pueblo west and you know blake is somebody that i've been able to follow this entire off season basically these last six or seven months here got to see him develop and bro is dangerous you got to take him seriously. And so I'm really looking forward to the quarterback duel between Blake Palladino and Gavin Lockett. Realistically, I'm looking to the offensive duel between this Dakota Ridge squad with Noah Triplett versus this Pueblo West, you know, receiving core led by Titus White, Gage Martinez, and Donovan Robinson. Either way, should be a good game, but I'm going to go ahead and give Dakota Ridge this one. I think they're a little bit more experienced. They will be ready for this team. Also, they have an excellent coaching staff. You absolutely know that they've been preparing for this for over a year now. Uh, maybe not over a year, but for just about a year now. So, there you go. Um, after that, though, they play Pueblo County. They should beat them. I have... I'd be surprised if they lost to Pueblo County. So there you go. Then they play Fountain for Carson. That will be a close game. I think if there's any defense that could really challenge this Pueblo West team, it's probably this one. Now, Fountain for Carson, they are losing a 
basically the majority of their DB group, of their secondary group back then. And so that's why I'm going to go ahead and give Pueblo West the edge here. Uh, on top of that, I do have questions about the offense for Fountain for Carson. But don't be surprised if this is a close game. And if Fountain for Carson wins this one, this could definitely be a flippable game, if you know what I mean. But after that, they play Far Northeast Warriors, uh, should defeat them. They play a Mesa Ridge team, which lost a lot last year, but they should beat them. They do have talent there, though, so don't, like, you know, look over them. Then they play Palmer Ridge at home. And I think next to the Dakota Ridge game, this is probably their second um, depending on who you are, maybe their first, uh, toughest, or their toughest game that they'd have to play all regular season, uh, Pomeridge, they are losing some players, specifically on that line, uh, in Alec Falk, Connor Jones, um, losing the running back, Connor Cook as well, uh, the, they're losing a safety slash receiver in Costanzo, but regardless, this Pomeridge team is still extremely deep. And still very well coached. And I think this will be a close one. Could definitely see West winning this one. Considering they lost two to them last year. But yeah, I'm going to give it to Palmer Ridge for now. Because I think they have more experience uh, compared to this younger Pueblo West team. After that though, Pueblo West, they should beat Falcon. They play them uh, in Falcon. Then they should beat Coronado. Then they play Montrose away. That one could be a little bit closer. Uh, Montrose is losing kind of a lot though. At least on paper, it looks like they're losing a lot. So I don't know if they could, you know, replicate the success they had last year. But with the scheme they run and all that, if Pueblo West goes three and out a couple of times and Montrose scores a couple of touchdowns, then, you know, they got to be back on their toes. You know, that's not a game where you could be making stupid mistakes. Uh, because with the schemes they run, with the defense they run, they're going to make you pay for it and they're going to bleed out that clock. And so, you know, for Pueblo West, best case scenario, you go up by 20 or 14 early on and then you never look back. Um, but like I said, they should still win that game, but it's definitely a close one. So altogether, I think they're going 8-2. I have them at a window of wins anywhere between 6-8. to eight. I think this Pueblo West team for sure makes the playoffs despite being kind of a younger team here. But I think they make the playoffs and find success this season because of the superiority of this offense. I'm looking at a very talented dual threat in Gavin Lockett. I'm looking at a deep receiving core and talented receiving core between Gage Martinez, Titus White, Donovan Robinson. I'm looking at all those guys and I'm thinking, how are they not at least a top 10 offense in 4A here in Colorado this season? I'd be surprised if they're not. And I know, look, up front, they got to figure out some things. They are losing a great lineman. They're losing uh, their two running backs. But I'm sure they could figure out, you know, a running back committee that could give them at least 800 to 1,000 yards. Uh, that'll, And then if they could do that, then that'll free up the passing game. And then from there, I really think this uh, offense could be explosive. And they should be able to outshoot most teams in the state this year. And so that's why I have them uh, going eight and two here um the six the six wins in that window of wins is just in case they drop a game or two to fountain for carson or montrose but like i said i have them favored in both all right so there you go that's Pueblo west let me go ahead and talk about the next team here and that is canyon city 
last year kind of had a tough year went three and seven lost to frederick 43 to 21 to start the season but bounced back with some good dubs against harrison 47 27 sierra 55 0 then lost kind of a close one to mace ridge by the way this was a very talented mace ridge team now so you can't just sleep on them but lost to them 35 to 20 after that they kind of had a little bit of a rough patch uh, forfeited two straight games against holy family and pueblo south Returned and lost to Pueblo County 39-14, but bounced back, beat Pueblo Centennial 43-0. Lost kind of a closer one, at least on paper, it looks a little bit closer to Pueblo East 21-7. And then lost a very close one to Pueblo Central 42-38. So, a, a, a very tough season in general for Canyon City here. Let's talk about the seniors they're losing because they are losing some significant ones here. Uh, Dylan O'Rourke at six foot two twenty-five. This senior rushed for six hundred seventy-nine yards and nine touchdowns. Also had twenty-nine tackles, thirteen point five tackles for losses, and six sacks while recovering five fumbles and causing three. He was their top tackler and sack leader. Um, also, I assume one of their top rushers. And so that's definitely going to be a tough loss. They're just losing another big body. Uh, they're also losing Colton Wren. Um, he was their second leading rusher with 205 yards, three touchdowns. They're losing their lead receiver in Garrett Bradley. He had 27 receptions for 575 yards and 10 touchdowns. Uh, they're also losing Blake Janenberg, Julian Unpinko, Kieran Mick, um, who were their top three leading tacklers for the squad with 67, 66, and 46 tackles, respectively. Altogether, they're losing five of their top 11 tacklers, including those three that I just talked about there. So, um, not losing their entire defense. They're still returning some guys. And then on offense, I mean, you're losing your top producers at running back and receiver and, and your backup running back as well. But that seems to be kind of it. Now, let's talk about some guys that, you know, will star for Canyon City here this 2022 season, starting with their quarterback, Max Hagens here. At quarterback, he passed for nearly 1,200 yards, or 1,200, excuse me, yards, throwing 13 touchdowns to 11 picks. Uh, he'll be a senior this year, uh, and one will have to think a lot of the offensive production going into this season is going to absolutely depend on him. And he showed a lot of flashes last year, being able to challenge defenses vertically, and showed he is a pretty talented thrower on the run. And so this year, first things first, lessen the turnovers. You have to play a cleaner game. You know, 13 to 11 is a very bad ratio. You know, 2 to 1. Two touchdowns to one interception. Aim for that, uh, ideally. So, there you go. He just has to play a cleaner game. But other than that, you know, definitely saw a lot of potential. Looked at the film. Was impressed with it. He could stretch out some of these defenses that aren't prepared to play a quarterback this talented. So, I'm definitely looking at him to take a step forward developmentally and really carry this offense, uh, as he should as a senior quarterback. Outside of him, you have Rainer Ramirez. Last year, he was the third rusher and second receiver. So, you know, still a productive athlete altogether, despite being behind a couple guys. Um, his production on slow, or not slow snaps, his production on low snaps was very good. And so, 
obviously he's going to have a bigger role on this offense with so many, uh, you know, stat leaders leaving. And on top of that, he was also the top tackler last year uh, or one of the top tacklers last year and can contribute even more to that defense as well. Regardless, this is definitely a sleeper player that could see an even bigger role on this team, could have a breakout year here, whether it's him rushing, receiving, or on defense. Uh, regardless, he's just an absolutely great athlete that they're going to have returning. And then, last but not least, I do want to mention this kid here very briefly here, Wyatt Turner. This kid is a 6'7 wide receiver as a junior. Last year, you know, he had some pretty nice games every now and then. Not too many, but, you know, he had some pretty nice games. I'd be kind of surprised if they don't go his way a couple more times for jump balls uh, because there aren't many guys who could cover 6-7 straight up. Uh, actually reminds me of this receiver that Manitou Springs had a couple years ago at 6-7 and he was basically unguardable on the two-way level. If you remember correctly, Manitou Springs actually won state um, basically throwing it up to him and then having a great running game. So there you go. Definitely can't count this kid out, uh, looking at him to take on a bigger role here as this team hopefully shifts to more of a pass-first type of deal on offense. So there you go. Those are the guys to look out for for Canyon City going into this season. Now let's talk about this upcoming season. As of right now, they technically have 10 games scheduled, but two of these games are against Pueblo East, and so that's not right. So I'm going to predict the nine games here that I have. And so um, first off, they play Severance to start the season. Severance, I think they just recently moved up to 3A. And they're a tough team. Even in 2A, they're a tough team. Have one of the top defenses in the entire state. Have a great coaching staff. Have a receiver over there. Really have a couple athletes over there. But have a receiver out there that's looking to break out. Um, he's going to be a big body target for them. I have them losing to Severance. I think, you know, Canyon City, they kind of struggled last year. Going into this year, I don't really know if their defense can match the defensive intensity that Severance will bring. And I don't think they're going to be like a top 10, like elite defense. And so they're going to have to rely on their offense. And so if I have to bet a defense versus an offense, I'm usually going to take the defense unless the offense is that talented because that's what Severance is. They're a, they're a brick wall. And they scheme around what you throw at them. Um, they're very good at that. Peep their game against TCA last year in the playoffs. So absolutely have them losing to Severance. After that, though, they do get Liberty and Lewis Palmer back-to-back. -back. And Harrison, I think Canyon City beats all those teams. Harrison might be a closer game. Um, I feel like as far as talent goes, they are a little bit closer this year. But, you know, we'll see about that. But I still have them slightly favored against Harrison, especially if they're airing it out. Um, I trust, you know, the likes of Rainer Ramirez, Wyatt Turner, Max Hagens to really turn up and do their job against them. After that, they play Pueblo County. Pueblo County, they have this running back over there, I believe, in Cody Lanier. He's going to be an absolute problem this year as he was last year. Last year, they struggled to stop him. I don't know how they're going to stop him this year, if I'm being completely honest with you. So I have Pueblo County winning that game against Canyon City here. So there you go. Um, after that, they play Pueblo East. I think they should beat Pueblo East. Pueblo East is kind of losing a number of players. 
and so they should be able to beat them there. Uh, won't be the easiest game because they do have that boy Zayden Stevens out there. They have a quarterback of their own, and so it'll be really interesting to see how this game goes down. But if Max Hagens wants to win a game here, or um, maybe not, okay, not win a game. If he wants to have a signature game here, like a game where he could look back on and just be like, yeah, I took over that game. I think this would be it. So we'll see about that. Uh, definitely potentially a close one though it could be flipped after that they play dcc i have them losing to dcc i think they're just a little bit too good here and then they play sand creek i think they should beat sand creek they do have some talent there so i wouldn't underestimate them but they should beat them and then to end the season they have kind of an easier one against mitchell and that should be an easy dub to end the season so altogether, i have them going six and three but i do have their window of wins at four to six wins six wins in my opinion is absolutely the best case scenario that means their offense is clicking uh their quarterback is having a great season as a senior Rayner ramirez is producing wyatt turner is producing they have a couple other guys step up offensively you know getting to six wins means that this offense is on fire now the four wins uh, that projection comes from my concern about their defense. Last year, their defense was extremely concerning. They had some straight-up bad performances where they just needed to be better tacklers. Like, they did not tackle. They didn't do their job well. And losing their top tacklers from last year and then going into this season doesn't really help that defensive case. And so, uh, offensively, they're going to have to carry a pretty heavy load here because I'm not quite sure about this defense. That defense is uh, still very concerning to me. And so that's why I have them with a window of wins anywhere between four to six. Uh, if they get to six wins, then they potentially make the playoffs. But they got to get there first. So we'll see. Moving on though, let's uh let's talk about Pueblo Centennial here, real quick. Last year went one and eight, got blown out by every team they played, and never scored more than two touchdowns except for their one win this season, which was against Sierra, who they beat forty-seven to zero. Other than that, got blown out by every team, and like I said, never scored more than two touchdowns in any game. Um, couple graduating seniors, Prince Lewis. Even though the stats are incomplete. For Pueblo Centennial, kind of seems like he was their lead receiver, so there you go. Then you have Deshaun Dickens, one of their big body players who they will be missing for sure. And other than that, not many seniors uh, are on their roster, at least on max preps. I couldn't find any other seniors on the roster that really contributed significantly. And so, not necessarily a bad thing. Now, key players to look out for. Oh boy, hopefully I say this guy's name right because I really think he's a great athlete just in general. But Uli Fisuyue, I want to say Fisuyue. Um, the incoming senior quarterback last year threw for 400 yards, two touchdowns to seven picks. Also ran for 310 yards, had a completion rating of 40%. Um, but he was really one of the only contributors to this team. If they win a game, it'll be with him. Uh, I'm talking about this year and last year, so... There you go. Another guy to look out for, Blake Roberts on 90 carries, rushed for 434 yards as the lead rusher. And I just want to throw this out there. Both of these stats are incomplete, but in general, this is a program that struggles, especially with so many other better programs in and around Pueblo. And so for them to not be able to put in stats or keep rosters like this is 
probably a testament to how good they actually are in general so there you go those are really the only two guys i could found doing my research and all that great stuff so so yeah now as of right now july 3rd or oh sorry july 9th but when i did the research and i just checked it now it was july 3rd uh they only had five games scheduled and so let me just go down the line here uh they should beat sierra they did it last year i don't know why they do it this year but i do doubt them beating widefield shine mountain dcc discovery canyon or pueblo south so there you go window of wins for pueblo centennial anywhere from zero to one really i should say one to two because i i'd be surprised if they lose to sierra straight up and don't win a game at all and so you know for pueblo centennial they are a struggling program do do have some guys here like in fisu Yue, uh their quarterback and blake roberts so they have some athletes out there that'll produce that'll help them beat sierra here other than that i have a lot of doubt in them winning more than one game and so unfortunately that's just how it is but uh yeah that's my <laughs> preview for pueblo centennial all right but let's move on and talk about a slightly better program here um you know a lot more in pueblo south here last year in 2021 won seven and three in the regular season seven and four total uh, here's how their season went. They opened up the season against Holy Family, lost a tough one against them, 34, 34 excuse me, to 27 uh, in a close one. Then they went and played Discovery Canyon, actually was able to attend the last part of this game. Didn't have their quarterback slash DB and Jace Bella, lost to them in a... I mean, this wasn't as close as it looked, but lost to them 21-13, to scored a garbage-time touchdown at the end, then played Lewis Palmer, bounced back with a 26-7 dub, played TJ Thomas Jefferson, uh, had a very big 42-18 dub, squeaked out a close one against a quality Green Mountain team, 23-21, um, got a forfeit against Canyon City, played Pueblo Centennial 49-14 and beat him. Played a close one against Pueblo East, just barely beat them 20 to 19. Then played Pueblo Central, beat them 35 to 6. Lost kind of a shocking one here at the end here. I didn't think they dropped this one, but also I don't know if it mattered really for playoffs. Lost to Pueblo County 13 to 0. And then in the playoffs, they found Holy Family again. This was a toss-up game. I remember Cody Mason and I being kind of split on this one, but Holy Family would pull this one out. 34 to 18 and so uh it kind of feels like an up and down season for them but really they did a pretty good job you know especially this little one two three four five six this little seven game win streak they went on which did include a forfeit but still though they really picked it up after that loss against dcc now some players that they're going to be missing to graduation the big one jace bella he was their lead passer and rusher uh passing for 1148 yards 10 touchdowns to two interceptions also rushed for 588 rushing yards and eight 
touchdowns. Uh, he was also one of their top defensive players as well. And now he is, uh, well, he's always been an excellent athlete, but he is committed to Colorado State. So that's what we'll be doing his thing there. They're also losing Brian Mays, one of their senior DBs. Um, now their stats are incomplete, at least on defense. They don't have any of their tackles, but they have their interceptions on there. So that's interesting. But I uh, just wanted to throw that out there. They're also missing, or they will be missing, Brian Mata, who was their starting tackle and will definitely be missed up front. I assumed he probably played a little bit of defense as well, and so they're going to be missing that size. And then they're also losing Aiden, I think it's Vider or Vider, uh, one of their bigger linebackers at 6'1 to 111 pounds. So definitely losing a couple players. Um offensively i mean the only player you're really losing is jace bella but that's a pretty big that's a pretty big loss defensively it doesn't look like they're missing as many at least from their secondary outside of bella who had three picks and Mays who had a pick so there you go there and then that linebacker that i mentioned so there you go. Definitely losing a couple players, though, for Pueblo South. Now, they are returning some pretty key players, including Ray Aragon and Mateo Esquivel. Uh, both of these skill players will be incoming seniors who led their team in receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, and interceptions here. Let me go ahead and get these specific uh, stats here. So, uh, I want to say... Esquivel actually led with 479 receiving yards uh, on 35 receptions and 5 touchdowns. Ray was right behind him with 28 receptions, 435 yards, and 4 touchdowns. That was on offense, obviously. Then defensively, they were one of the best duos in the entire state. Ray had 5 interceptions. Um... Mateo here had four interceptions and so both of those guys are returning both very talented skill players probably the best two-way players uh, in 3A probably in the state as well and so definitely guys that you know you gotta look out for they're gonna produce regardless uh, of the situation around them especially on defense so there you go then you have Elijah Aguilar was their starting running back last year and with Belagon I mean he's gonna have to produce last year he had 303 yards, three touchdowns on 92 carries. That's fine and all that. But going into this year, he's going to have to do a little bit more here. And he'll probably be relied on a little bit more here. Uh, so, so yeah, there you go. And then I want to shout out this lineman, Orion Birch. He's their big guard DT who will keep this Pueblo South team tough up front. Even though they are losing some bodies up there, Birch is a great one to be bringing back. Just a huge body, uh, that gets the job done. Very aggressive, you know, definitely somebody that'll enforce, uh, or be one of the enforcers for this Pueblo South squad. So that's a big one to keep an eye on, uh, for sure here. And then, uh, this is a quarterback that, you know, we got to see at TFG tryouts. You know, I, I want to say we briefly, briefly met him, but Nolan Goderman, um, I, he might be the starter for Pueblo South this season. I'm sure he'll be in contention there. Like I said, saw him a little bit at TFG tryouts. But in general, just a name to keep an eye out for. You know, he may be the guy to replace Jace Bella here. And so, 
we'll see. Regardless, he'll have uh, help from his skill players. I'm really looking at Ray Aragon and Mateo Escoville. I'd be surprised if Pueblo South didn't find creative ways to put the ball in their hands and let them play make because they are just excellent athletes. Um, and plus, just in general, defensively, I think they're going to be fine. They have some size up front. Looking through the roster, they look pretty good here. So I'm not even really tripping about that but let me go ahead and get to the record here and predict it so right now they have 10 games scheduled and so the first game that they play this season will be against pueblo county on august 26th that should be a pretty easy dub for them but after that they go ahead and play dcc then after that green mountain i think those two games will be tougher games dcc i did their season preview last week uh they should be having a pretty solid squad out there i think if that quarterback position is not stabilized or if the running back isn't producing enough, then I don't know if they have enough firepower to keep up with DCC and Green Mountain this early on in the season. Now, later in the season, it might be a different story, but this early on, you know, there's probably going to be some growing pains. And so I have both of those listed as losses. After that, I have them uh, winning against Pueblo East, Monarch, Sierra, Lewis Palmer, Harrison, Pueblo Centennial and Pueblo Central kind of going on a little bit of a win streak like they did last year as well. I mean, I think they're just better than some of these programs, even when they are losing some guys. Uh, I'm looking at that Harrison game, though. That might be a little concerning. If they if Harrison could be throwing the ball with their uh, quarterback, Derek Watt, officially while having that running game with Washington and Preciado going well, then that could be a little bit of a trap game. They have to go away to Colorado Springs to Harrison to play them there. And so that might be a little bit concerning. Um, but I still have Pueblo South probably favored in that one. Monarch, I mean, I guess you could be a little nervous about them, but uh, they, they're they kind of a rebuilding program right now. I think in previous years, they'd probably give up better fights. And then these other Pueblo teams, Pueblo East, Centennial Central, I just think at this point, South just has a little bit more talent. And on top of that, it's not just talent, but it's experience as well than all three of those schools that feel a little green to me. So with all that being said... I have Pueblo South going 8-2 on the season here. Uh, their only losses being to Discovery Canyon and Green Mountain. Uh, their window of wins is anywhere from 6 to 8. I think part of that is because their schedule isn't insanely hard. At best, they may have two teams on their schedule that go over 500. Um, that's my just very honest opinion. So even though this team is losing a couple players, um, especially a guy like Jace Bella, I still think they're going to be all right with all the guys they are returning. And, you know, some potential players that will have to step up and do their thing. So we'll just have to see about that. But moving on, though, I do just want to say this. You know, that game against Pueblo County, Pueblo East, may be a little bit closer especially since they're playing them early on in the season did talk about how there might be some gelling on this offense specifically to start this season and so just be on the lookout for that but regardless i still have pueblo south favored and they should probably make the playoffs 
Okay, but moving on though, let's go ahead and talk about Pueblo Central here. The Wildcats uh, last year, kind of an interesting year, went five and five, two and three in league here. Uh, just to go down the line, lost to Conifer nine to seven to start the season. Then played Kennedy, who they beat forty-four to twenty. Lost to a very dominant Lutheran team, sixty to zero. Then they beat Battle Mountain thirty-six to thirty-five in an extremely close one. Um, put it to Sand Creek, forty-seven to twelve, which kind of felt like it came out of nowhere. But they really put it to him. So there you go. And they were playing away. Then they beat Pueblo Centennial, forty-two to zero. Dropped a game against Pueblo East, forty-four to zero. Lost to Pueblo County, fifty to seven. Lost to Pueblo South, thirty-five to six. And then went ahead and won a close one against Canyon City, forty to the. 42 to 38 so a little bit of an up and down season you know blew out some teams won some close ones lost some close ones and then got blown out themselves pretty badly here so a very interesting season for pueblo central now they are graduating some pretty significant players here, including Andrew Sherman, their big old 6'4", 215-pound athlete. Uh, played a little bit of quarterback last year, played a little bit of running back. I mean, only had 25 pass attempts, throwing for 296 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions, but did run 138 times for 744 yards, 13 touchdowns. Was also their lead tackler with 38, and their lead running back, like I said. Played a lot of different roles for them. Wasn't able to find a lot of film recently from this last season. But from the season before, he was being used as a lead blocker as well, which is really interesting. Uh, as well as all the other things I listed, you know, as a receiver, running back, linebacker, all that great stuff. Uh, in addition, they are losing Marcus Martinez. He was their second leading receiver. Only had 12 receptions for 130 yards, though. But was their fourth leading tackler with 35 uh, and then in general, Pueblo Central is actually only graduating three of their top 11 tacklers. They were a very young team outside of Martinez and Sherman last year. So uh, definitely a big blow losing Andrew Sherman just considering how much they used him. He was kind of their power back, their little sledgehammer and whatnot. And then also, you know, he was probably one of their stronger players, which is why they let him air it out a couple of times. And, you know, on at least on the stat sheet, it looks like he had some pretty big splash plays in the passing game from time to time. Now, key players to look out for going into this season. Amari Brown, last year as a freshman, he was a Freshman of the Year candidate, actually, for us here on the Playmakers Corner. Rushed 99 times for 427 yards and 4 touchdowns. For this team to find success this year, he's going to have to take on that extra load and be even more productive behind this run-heavy scheme, which I think he can. Uh, last year as a freshman, showed that he was a very tough runner, shifty runner. This year, as he continues to develop uh, both mentally and athletically, I think he could take a pretty significant step forward and really dominate this backfield. So we'll see about that. Um, then you also have Caden Clay. Last year was actually the lead receiver as a sophomore catching nine passes. Keep this in mind, only nine passes. 
for 274 receiving yards and five touchdowns. That means half of his passes, over half of his passes, were going for touchdowns. Unfortunately, the kid has no film out there, which sucks because I would love to see this. But he is an absolute speedster. Look at it, some of his track times. Uh, you can look him up if you want. And if you don't have a quarterback to throw Caden Clay the ball, then you just got to find a way to get the ball in his hands to take off that burden from Brown because you already know Amari Brown will probably be the lead back here and so I'm probably looking at some sweet plays some outside run plays for Caden Clay he could still line up at receiver catch some short ones and create from there but you know find ways to get the ball in Caden Clay's hands because he's too fast to just kind of lead him out there and have him not do anything so there you go um, so yeah, but moving on, Michael Montoya, he's another guy to look out for as a sophomore last year that the team in tackles was 79, also six foot 185. That's a pretty solid height for a linebacker, height and weight for a linebacker as a sophomore. Um, also had a notable game against Canyon City at the end of the season where he ripped them apart for 15 carries on 111 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, not only will he be a returning member of an, an even more experienced defense, but he can add uh, something pretty significant to this backfield as well if they want to keep it going as a run first team. Now last but not least you have Jordan Atencio uh, will be one of the few seniors on this team this upcoming year to not play in as many games uh, probably due to injury but his game against Kennedy where he ran for 237 yards and 3 touchdowns on 22 carries is absolutely unforgettable. Definitely another guy who could see some carries here in the backfield. So let's go ahead and get to predicted record here slash their window of wins. As of right now, they only have four games scheduled against Pueblo South, Alamosa, Sierra, and Pueblo um, East. Sorry, Pueblo East. Going off of those games alone, uh, they should beat Alamosa. Probably, uh, yeah, they should beat Alamosa. I'm just going to go ahead and say that straight up. And then they should beat Sierra. But I have them losing to Pueblo South and East. Pueblo East game might actually be close, but just in general, I mean, their predicted record, assuming they have a 10-game schedule or they go with a 10-game schedule this upcoming season, I think I have them going 4-6 and six with a window of wins of anywhere between 4-6 to six wins this season. Now, here's the thing with this squad. They have a lot of athletes, like athletes I look at who not only produced last year, but continue to show not only in football, but in other sports, why they are very good athletes. And so they got some guys out there. But my concern is that they lack the size up front to contend with some of these higher tier Pueblo teams and losing a guy like Sherman who was just a big body guy who did a lot for the squad is definitely going to set them a step back for them and so they're going to have to work with the speedsters they have and honestly I don't think they make the playoffs but I think they finish very close to 500 if they develop a legit pass game which they do have a returning quarterback he just didn't get a lot of work last season um, then it could be a different story this year but for now this is where I have them I have them finishing very close to 500 but not quite in the playoffs definitely a team with some athletes though so keep an eye out for Pueblo Central
Moving on, though, let's go ahead and talk about Pueblo County here. Last season, had a pretty good season, won 7-3 and three in the regular season, did lose in the playoffs. So overall, 7-4, and four, but the wins they had in the regular season were against La Junta, who they beat 24-7, Lamar 44-0, Harrison 21-7, Canyon City 39-14, Pueblo Central 50-7, Pueblo Centennial 48-3, Pueblo South 13 to zero. Actually, I believe that Pueblo South game was at the end of the season. That was a little bit of an upset, to be honest with you. So there you go. Now, the losses they had last season uh, in the regular season to start Pueblo West 48 to zero. They lost to them. Played Roosevelt, lost to them 49 to zero. Lost to Pueblo East in a close one. 13 to 7 and then in the playoffs lost to a pretty hot Frederick squad 42 to 7 and you got to remember that Frederick team was fresh off of an upset dub not even an upset dub an upset blowout of a Mead high school a team that would eventually figure it out and go to state so not even a bad team to lose to to end the season so a very successful season a very well a good season for Pueblo County last year now some graduating seniors they have is their quarterback Peyton Miller was used a little bit more as a running back anyways but regardless still passed for 738 yards five touchdowns to eight interceptions uh, but did run it 110 times for 702 yards and six touchdowns so still productive there contributing positively to the offense then you have Bryce Garcia played middle linebacker and running back for them as a the running back ran for 255 yards on 64 carries for seven touchdowns and then you have their lead receiver Corbin Spear who they're losing uh 63175 by the way um but he caught 17 balls for 298 yards and 3 touchdowns now Pueblo County they did not record any defensive stats so I don't really have any to report to you from there or too many defensive players to talk about here anyways so a little bit of a shame but it is what it is we do have a lot of teams to talk about here um before the season so can't get everything right now key players going into this season and honestly low-key high key this is the only one that really matters here but it's cody lanier uh last year he was a workhorse for this team taking on a whopping 201 carries rushing for 1242 yards and 12 touchdowns entering his senior season he will be one of the best running backs in 3a ball and will probably be leaned on even more especially with them losing their backup running back in garcia and their running quarterback in peyton miller who put in work with 700 yards and six touchdowns as well and so he's going to be the main producer for this offense and will probably be the heart and soul of this young pueblo county squad so it will not be easy here um so just keep that in mind now let's go ahead and hop into their record slash uh, my predictions for their season this upcoming season but based off the schedule they have right now i have them going two and four they only have six games scheduled here i have them beating mitchell and then i have them beating canyon city that canyon city game might be close though just gonna throw that out there so we'll we'll, we'll see about that uh now the losses they have or well, the losses I predict them having would be against Pueblo South, Pueblo West, Discovery Canyon, and Pueblo 
East. I just think in general, uh, look, uh, oh, by the way, I have Pueblo County's window of wins anywhere between two to four here. Um, right now, like I said, they only have six games scheduled. They'll probably add on a couple more to get to at least eight. I think with this team, they have a star running back. He's established. They have some big bodies up front as well. Didn't mention them too much, but they do have some pretty big linemen that could clear the way. My concern is that it's not going to be enough to produce another potential playoff run or a regular season run that will lead to a playoff opportunity. Uh, defensively, it also seems like they will be losing a number of guys as well. And so that combined with uh, a lot of the guys that are losing offensively, it's really going to be the Cody Lanier show, which isn't bad. But I mean, if you look at it last year, he had 200 carries only ran for 1,200 yards and about 12-ish touchdowns. And so now that teams don't have, you know, other players to key in on, like a Peyton Miller, a Corbin Spear, a Bryce Garcia, you know, you could definitely see them starting to hone in on, uh, you know, on the running back Lanier here a little bit more here, as they should, as any other player that Pueblo County plays this year has not been established before. And so if they haven't been established before, then, you know, you don't really need to worry about them that much. I think if you focus on shutting down Lanier, then you could easily shut down this team. And so there will definitely probably be games where County, they could rely on Lanier and and he will single-handedly win them games along with this offensive line, but that can only get them so far. And so that's why I have them with a window of wins anywhere between two to four for this 2022 season. All right, now let's go ahead and talk about Pueblo East here. Last year went five and five, five and four in the regular season. Um, played kind of a tough schedule. I'm like looking at their schedule and I don't know why. They're a 3A school that scheduled multiple 4A contenders here. Which, I mean, maybe isn't the worst thing to do, considering how talented this team was. But they ended up playing Palmer Ridge to start the season, lost to them 49-14. Played Erie, who went to the 4A state championship, lost to them only 29-7. You could feel pretty good about that, to be honest with you. Then they defeat Mesa Ridge 21 to 18. Uh, that's a very talented squad, very quality win. They get another quality win against Cheyenne Mountain, another 4A team, 27 to 10. Uh, then lose to Pueblo West 31 to 0. Come back, beat Pueblo County 13 to 7 in a close one. Beat Pueblo Central 44-0. Lost another close one to Pueblo South 20 to 19. Then finish the season against Canyon City, beating them 21 to 7. In the playoffs, they pulled Palisade, a very tough team defensively and offensively as well. They have a bunch of running backs that could absolutely gash you. Only lost to them 35-21. to So altogether, not a bad season for Pueblo East. Played some very good competition. You know, did their thing against some very good competition. Won some, lost some, uh, and still made the playoffs. Um, even if there's strength of schedule... Or even if they didn't win as many games as they did, their strength of schedule still probably would have been good enough to get them into the playoffs. So, 
there you go. Now, here are some of the guys they are losing because, like I said, this was a very talented squad. Uh, the first guy I want to talk about here is Blake Nazario. He was their lead rusher with 628 rushing yards, 6 touchdowns on 109 carries. They're also losing Oscar Flores and Nate Montour. Um, top two receivers for this team who had 262 yards and 2 touchdowns on 13 receptions and 163 yards uh, one touchdown on 17 receptions, respectively. Uh, Oscar Flores also contributed 42 tackles, so there you go. They're also losing Xavier Freeman, one of their top defensive linemen, who was also their sack leader with 7.5 sacks. Also had 82 tackles and 23, 23 tackles for losses. So, tackles for loss, so that's a big loss there. Um, they're also losing Steven Musso, their lead tackler at linebacker. He had 92 tackles himself. And then they're altogether losing 7 of their 11 top tacklers from this defense last year, including their sack, interception, and tackle leader. And so they're losing a pretty significant chunk of their defense. On top of that, they're losing a pretty big part of their line on offense and defense. So uh, Pueblo East losing a lot of players here, but not to fear. They do have some players to work around here, especially some young ones who kind of stepped into some bigger roles here, including the quarterback Zayden Stevens. As a freshman last year, he actually was one of our freshman of the year candidates, and he played relatively well, showed a lot of flashes throughout his freshman season. And so going into this year, you know, you want to continue to see him grow his confidence as you probably switch to a more pass-reliant type of offense and if they do that could be a game changer and he could be a game changer but how he develops this year and the steps he takes this year will probably pay off after this season i'm just going to be honest there so there you go but definitely a guy to work with a quarterback who could run a little bit uh a little bit not not a ton but you know he's mobile enough and then he could definitely throw the ball quite a bit here so just keep that in mind uh, and then you have Jace Martinez. Last year on 38 carries, ran for 200 yards and a touchdown as a junior running back. Included also a 4-carry, 79-yard performance against Pueblo Central. Uh, he's probably going to be the lead back going into this year. And he should be able to put up decent numbers now that he will be getting the carries to match. So there you go. Uh, they're also returning Michael Payne. He will be one of the few returning defensive players. By the way, 6'3", 215, pretty big guy. Uh, last year, he had 35 tackles, 12.5 tackles for losses, and 3.5 sacks going into this year. Should be a key part of this defense uh, looking to hold it down and potentially be a big body target at tight end as he does play that as well. So that'll be interesting to see if they flex him out and uh, get him some targets there. And then last but not least, uh, they have Kalen Holmes, the 6'2", 275-pound incoming senior. Started last year for them at guard. Going into this year, it'll help to have that size up front uh, to a team that's losing a bit of it, both on offense and defense. So definitely a guy to look out for. And then this is somebody that I really want to shout out. He will be a freshman receiver. Um, and I apologize if I say his name wrong, but it's Xavier Cam. Favong, I want to say. Camp Favong. Um, first off, 
been rocking with the podcast for a minute. I know he's been with the Pueblo Predators. He was with that All-Star uh, South team. You know, we went to a couple of his practices. Very talented freshman receiver. Would be no surprise to me if he gets snaps early on, especially if they are wanting to spread out the ball more, go to more of a spread. Uh, when I looked at Zayden Stevens' film from last year, there are definitely a couple of looks where they went four out. And so they're going to need some receivers out there. And so he might get his chance early on as a freshman. We will see. But definitely some guys, uh, you know, some guys returning from last year that you could work with. And then some younger guys who you're hoping to continue to develop and establish themselves this year. um, In the hopes that this team becomes better year by year. So definitely some players for Pueblo East to work with here. Now let's talk about this 2022 season predict their schedule here i'm gonna just go down the line so they open the season against shine mountain honestly i have shine mountain winning they have a younger quarterback of their own but in my opinion they just have a couple more pieces and so uh this this will probably be a good game but i'm gonna go ahead and favor shine mountain in this one after that they play pueblo central i think they could beat them then they play la hunta La Hunta is a team that we're going to talk about later on this episode, and so I'm just going to go ahead and say that I have La Hunta winning that game. Then they play Lutheran. Even though Lutheran is missing a couple players, they still have a lot of skill players. They still have a lot of defensive players, and then even some guys uh, waiting in the wings uh, that should be having some breakout seasons here soon. And so Lutheran's still going to be dangerous. I have them losing to Lutheran. Then they play Pueblo South. Pueblo South, still a talented squad, especially if you're going to be passing the ball more. I think they have the skill players to match. I really do. And so I'm going to go ahead and give that one to Pueblo South. Then they play Canyon City. This one might be closer. I think both of these teams will be relying on their offense a little bit more here. But I'm going to give it to Canyon City just barely, though. So there you go. Then they play Mitchell, which they should beat. Then... They play Discovery Canyon. Discovery Canyon, a squad that, you know, definitely has some talent over there. And so I have them losing to them. And then to end the season, they have Pueblo County, who I have them defeating. So altogether, I have Pueblo East going 3-6 and here. They do have Canyon City scheduled twice, so that's why it's not adding up to 10. But I have them going 3-6 and here. The window of wins I have for Pueblo East is anywhere from three to five wins. Now look, this team going into this year especially will be very green, will be very young after losing so much of their defensive talent to graduation. That's honestly my biggest concern because I think defensively, that is what really caused them to win some of the games they did last year and keep some of those games against some of those top tier 4A teams as close as they were. And so... Losing all that talent is definitely concerning to me as they're going to have to rely on their offense even more, which is still pretty young. I mean, they're losing. This offense is losing their starting running back who took on a lot of the load. They are returning their quarterback, but he's only going to be a sophomore this year. Uh, And he's probably your more experienced player on uh, this offense. One of your more experienced players. And so all that being said, I think they go... I mean, I think they win anywhere between three and five games because they just don't have that experience. Now, because they don't have that experience, there are going to be a couple winnable games that they lose. 
um, close games that they lose. I could absolutely see that. And so, honestly, I just think outside of Zayn and Stevens, they have a lot to replace on offense. And this will be a growing year, but they're going to win at least three games. And they're probably going to be pretty close to 500 when all is said and done. But definitely a little bit of a growing year. I want to see how they build around their young quarterback here in Zayden Stevens. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about Lamar High School, a two-way team here. Uh, back in 2020, actually went to the state championship, lost a thriller to Eden High School, 28-21. to uh, And then last year, I mean, everyone kind of knew this would be a rebuilding season as they were losing a lot of their core uh, over there. And so last year went 2-7 and seven on the season here. Um very interesting very interesting season so they started off their 2021 season by blowing out sierra 40 to 8 um wild but not really you know so they did that after that they go on a pretty big losing streak losing to burlington 36 0 losing to preble county 44 0 losing to holyoke a 1a team 49 to 14 losing to woodland park in a close one uh 19 to 13 then <laughs> losing to tca um a powerhouse 70 to 13 at the time they were then losing a close one to manitou springs 34 to 26 losing to La Hunta 26 to 7 and then ending the season with a 28 to 21 dub against Alamosa team who made the playoffs by the way so that's really interesting but yeah, you know, like I said, you know, this last season was definitely a rebuilding season. It was an opportunity to, you know, see some guys who would step up, see who would step up and all that great stuff there. Also had a couple close games sprinkled in there, but losing the first game of this or winning the first game of the season and winning the last game of the season, not exactly the worst way to start and end your season. So uh, there you go. Now some graduating seniors they did have um, didn't have many on this team, but the three they did have was Graydon Martinez. He was their second leading rusher with only 154 yards and a touchdown on almost 50 carries, which is wild. So there you go. He was also their second leading receiver with 10 receptions for 143 yards and a touchdown and was a lead tackler, one of their lead tacklers, with 71 tackles and two interceptions. And then they're also losing Elijah Nielsen. He had 51 tackles and was the sack leader with four on the defensive line. Altogether, they are the only two seniors are losing out of their top 11 tacklers. So they're returning the rest of their defense. Uh, and then offensively, I mean, those are really the only guys uh, that produced a lot, that contributed a lot, that they are really missing. So there you go. Like I said, a very young team. They're returning most of their squad going into this year. Now, key players to look out for. Uh, let me start with the receivers, uh, starting with Brendan Sneller. Despite some, you know, inconsistencies at quarterback, a couple different guys going in and out there, Sneller stayed as the number one receiver, gaining 291 yards on 21 receptions and also scoring three times. He had three touchdowns, but he was also an elite defender with 83 tackles and a team high, might even be a state high, seven interceptions. He's absolutely going to be a valuable part of this team on both sides of the ball, uh, just being one of the best athletes that they have. 
And so look to him to, uh, at the very least, produce a lot for the squad, both offensively and defensively. Now, another guy to look out for, he will be a senior as well, alongside Sneller, is Tyler Widener. Um, yeah, Tyler Widener, uh, he contributed on both sides of the ball as well. A man definitely has some speed to him. And so once that quarterback position is settled, he could definitely put up some numbers offensively alongside Sneller. And then defensively, he's going to contribute as well. But the position battle that really matters here and could really determine how the season goes and what games they win is this quarterback battle between Kale Buxton. I assume he's related to Blake Buxton in some way. And then I want to say this is pronounced Diego Vasquez. Both of these guys saw playing time as underclassmen and performed relatively well. Now, Buxton here playing in more games had some real nice impact games here. Let me go ahead and pull up the stats against Woodland Park. That was his first start. He went 7 of 9 for 68 yards. Uh, also ran two times for 8 yards. They only lost to them 13 to 9, but still played a very clean game. Against TCA, even though it was a blowout, still went 4 of 9 for 144 yards and two touchdowns. Um, also had nine carries, but didn't really go anywhere there. Then against Manitou Springs, he won 15 of 22 for 248 yards, threw three touchdowns, also threw three interceptions, lost to them 26 to 34 in a close one. So definitely some flashes here, despite not winning a game, you know, still playing a relatively clean game here. And then you have Diego Vasquez, who had some games of his own against Sierra in that game where uh, they won at the beginning of the season. I believe he started, went 7 of 14 for 99 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Also ran it 11 times for 33 yards and an extra touchdown. So had three touchdowns in that game there. Um, and then played La Junta, won 12 of 19 for 98 yards and a touchdown. Also had. 12 carries but didn't really go anywhere there and then came back in the last game against Alamosa went 7 of 10 for 88 yards uh, threw one touchdown to an interception uh, also had nine carries in that game so you know both of them had flashes here and there um, kind of split carries and so it'll be really interesting to see who they go with I think if you're Lamar you got to pick a quarterback I don't think you go with the whole quarterback by committee thing because that really doesn't work out and honestly just looking at their numbers it's not like they're putting up like it's not like one is extremely like that much more athletic and is more of a dual threat than the other like both of them kind of seems like put up the same numbers statistically passing wise and so we'll have to see moving forward but they have two good options here at quarterback to roll with and so for the sake of you know the quarterback's confidence I think they have to commit to one if they really want to find success going into this season and so that's definitely going to be a quarterback battle that uh, is going to be one of the more important ones in the entire state now let me go ahead and go down the line and predict the record here they do have a couple games scheduled here ahead of their 2022 season they got nine games scheduled and so let's just go down the line uh, they play Trinidad to open, um, though in Fort Lupton the week after that. I think they go 2-0 there. They beat both of those squads. And I think even without deciding on a quarterback, uh, they beat both of those squads. So there you go. Then they play Burlington. I think if they don't have the quarterback position quite stabilized by then, then I think Burlington goes ahead and beats them. After that, they play Berthoud. 
I believe that's how you say it. They should beat Berthoud. Then they play Florence. I think Florence goes ahead and beats them. This is going to be a very talented Florence team. So, no surprises there. They got a quarterback over there for sure, but he's a senior and he's established. So, I think Florence beats them. Then they play Alamosa. I think they beat Alamosa. Alamosa's losing more players um, this year than, than Lamar is this year. So it'll be really interesting. But, uh, I mean, Lamar beat this team last year even with a more you know with Alamosa having more players than making the playoffs. And so I think they beat Alamosa. Then they play La Junta. Should be a close game. I'm actually going to talk about La Junta right after I talk about Lamar here. But I think La Junta wins this game uh, just barely. So that's going to be a loss. Then they play Woodland Park. They should beat Woodland Park, but should be a close game here. Um... Still, though, should beat them. And then they play Manitou Springs. I have Manitou Springs beating them. I think Manitou Springs are going to be a very, very tough team as the season goes on. They'll get tougher as the season goes on. So to play them away at the end of the season is definitely going to be a little bit, uh, a little difficult, honestly. A little difficult. So we'll see. Might be a game that I might attend, not going to lie. So we'll see about that. Altogether, I have their predicted record at 5-4. and four. Um, Their window of wins is anywhere from 4-6. to six. Look here, Lamar has a lot of good young pieces to work with here. But I think the important thing for them is to stabilize their quarterback position, pick a quarterback, and really find a leader here. If they do that, stabilize the position, pick a guy to go with, then I feel like that's really going to be the difference between them winning a game or two over 500 and finishing below 500. Either way, finding an option at quarterback wouldn't be bad. And I think the sooner, the better. But if no quarterback, you know, kind of puts himself out there and really wins this position battle outright, then I think they kind of hover around that 500 record rather than going over 500, which I realistically feel like they can finish over. Alright, now let's keep this thing going. Let's talk about La Junta. I've mentioned La Junta a couple times when talking about some of these other Pueblo teams, when talking about Lamar, uh, and just when talking about some of these other teams in general, as they are a team that a lot of those squads will be playing here. But uh, before we do that, let's talk about last season. So went 5-5 five and five altogether. 5-4 five and four in the regular season. They did make the playoffs. Um, and so here's kind of how their season went to start. They lost Pueblo County 24 7 bounced back with a huge 46-0 dub over Pagosa Springs, then lost to Alamosa 42-6, but then bounced back and beat Salida 45-22, then lost to TCA 45-7, then bounced back and beat Manitou Springs 60-27, which was a wild game. Uh, Manitou Springs' quarterback threw for almost 400 yards and like three touchdowns and they still blew them out, which was wild. Then lost to Bayfield 31 to 13 but bounced back and beat Lamar 26 to 7 then went ahead and blew out Woodland Park 53 to 6 right before they lost to a very tough resurrection Christian team 56 to 15 a game where Eddie Lemos uh, I'm pretty sure won playmaker of the week so uh an extremely up and down season a season where they took turns getting blown out and blowing other people out right up until the end here um like literally they did not lose or win more than two games except for that two game stretch against lamar and woolen park at the end of the regular season so that's wild 
But let's go ahead and talk about some seniors they are losing. They are losing a couple players here, despite returning a good amount of their squad. But they're losing their backup running back in Ian Backus. Um, was pretty productive as a backup with 326 rushing yards, two touchdowns on 61 carries. Also had four receptions for 43 receiving yards. At outside linebacker, contributed 40 tackles as well. Then they're losing a big 6'5 lineman in Trent Johnston. He contributed 31 tackles on defense and was probably an offensive lineman starter as well. And then last but not least, they're losing Anthony Torres, was their interception leader with two. Altogether on defense, they're losing four of their top 11 tacklers. Not bad at all, but they're basically returning everyone else. And so let's talk about the players they're returning, starting with their quarterback, Started as a sophomore in Luke Garner. Uh, as a sophomore, threw for 689 yards. Threw six touchdowns to five interceptions, so not the greatest there. But he rushed 116 times for 771 yards and 12 touchdowns. Uh, straight up, his completion per completion percentage was not good this last season but could definitely be improved going into this season as a junior uh as you know they did show they weren't afraid to give him pass attempts but last season they were also not afraid to take away pass attempts if he was just not hitting and so assuming his passing improves he could be a lethal dual threat quarterback as a junior so definitely look out for Luke Garner here will be a star quarterback for La Hunta and then alongside Garner here in the backfield you got Jeremiah Martinez as a junior starting running back ran for 785 yards and 14 touchdowns on less than 100 carries only had 98 carries that's absolutely insane he also caught 10 balls for 174 yards and a touchdown he will absolutely be one of the stars on this level for La Hunta on the 2A level here. And, I mean, he's going to look to reproduce a lot of what he did last year, this year, and more. And he, last year, he had some pretty insane games. I'm looking at this 14-carry, 209-yard, three-touchdown game against Manitou Springs where he went ballistic. I'm looking at this 126-yard, uh, four-touchdown game against Woodland Park. Um, I'm also looking at this game against Pueblo County where he only had four carries but had 66 rushing yards and a touchdown. Also had two receiving or two receptions and 50 receiving yards there. And then against Resurrection Christian didn't have a bad game. 10 carries for 40 yards but also had five receptions for 68 receiving yards. A great athlete, definitely somebody that will probably be in consideration for a top five senior running back list here. So, uh, absolute star, certified star here. Definitely going to be a problem alongside Garner. And then on defense, you have Andrew Razo. Uh, led the team in tackles as a junior with 63 from his linebacker spot. He will return with a number of other top tacklers to boost a defense that is now considered experienced in my eyes. So as of right now, LaHunta only has seven games scheduled for this 2022 season. As of today, July 9th, 2022, that's how many games they have. And so I'm going to go ahead and predict these here. Just go down the line. So to open the season, they play Burlington. I think that's going to be a close one. Definitely a team they can beat, but I think they dropped that one against Burlington to start the season. But they play Pueblo East, who I feel like they should be able to beat. Then they play Manuel, another team I feel like they should beat. Manuel is kind of graduating a lot of seniors, so there you go. 
Uh, they play Alamosa, which I think this time around they should definitely be able to beat as they are graduating a lot of seniors. They play Woodland Park, who they should beat. After that, they play Lamar, who, uh, I mean, I just talked about them. They're going to be better this season probably, and this game is probably going to be closer than last season's, but they should be able to beat them. Then they play Manitou Springs, who I feel like Manitou Springs should be able to beat La Junta. I wouldn't be surprised if they won this one. Altogether, I predict La Junta, and this is just going off the schedule they have now, but I predict La Junta going 5-2. They should have a window of wins anywhere between 5 and 7. I think this backfield duo will be too much for a lot of teams to handle straight up. Now, whether Luke Gardner develops as a passer or not is to be seen, but if he does and they do get a legit passing game, then they could definitely win a lot more games. I think there's a good chance that uh, they get back into the playoffs, especially if Jeremiah Martinez has um, another big season, a breakout season even, and Gardner improves on the previous season. I think this La Hunta team, combined with those two, along with an experienced defense that is returning, should be pretty dangerous and should be a playoff team all right now moving on here we're going to move on to our last team that we're going to cover on this episode and that is durango high school the durango demons down south coming off a state championship in 2020 they went into this 2021 season with a couple questions but they did know you know that they were returning a number of players as well a lot of great athletes despite losing some good ones uh in that 2020 graduation class i want to say or i guess it would be 2021 graduation class and so last year in the regular season went eight and two Altogether went nine and three. Um, started out the season with a 58 to zero dub against Pagosa Springs. Then played Aztec and New Mexico team, beat them 54 to zero. Then lost to Montrose, who they lost to a 39 to seven. That was a 4A team. That was also the one seed in 4A. So there you go. Then they played Farmington, uh, another high level. I think they're like a 5A, 6A team in New Mexico. They went undefeated, but they lost to them 38-17. to But they went ahead and beat Piedra Vista 48-7, beat Harrison 42-0, beat Discovery Canyon 42-0, beat Sierra 64-0. Mitchell forfeited against them, uh, went ahead and beat Sand Creek 62-0, beat Evergreen in the playoffs, oh my god, 56-3, then pulled a playoff game against Meade here, and lost them just barely 14-13, and as you know, Meade would go on and actually go to state, so losing to a team that went to state is never a bad thing. Now, if you want to hear more about this season, I encourage you to listen to our Josh Bates interview from last year. First off, great dude, uh, love the guy, part of the PMC fam, um, absolutely great guy, but gave us a lot of insight on their season, so go ahead and check that out if you really want to go into detail there, but honestly, despite losing so many players, they had a dominant season, and on, they played a tough schedule too, playing the likes of Montrose, like I said, the one seed in 4A, and then Farmington, a 5A juggernaut in New Mexico, who I believe they lost in state, but went undefeated leading up until then, and so, you know, 
had a pretty good season when all was said and done and honestly they went through a couple injuries as well and so uh they it's still a season they could be proud of now they're going to continue to build on that uh despite losing some of these seniors i'm going to talk about here starting with nate messier uh he was their second leading rusher with 531 yards and seven touchdowns before going down with a season ending injury they're also losing a versatile athlete in jordan stanley who had 302 um, I want to say rushing yards and four rushing touchdowns was also the lead receiver with 311 receiving yards and five receiving touchdowns while being the third leading tackler on the team with 54 an all-around great athlete uh, speaking of uh, tacklers though they're losing their lead tackler in Cole Madova uh, he had a one 103 tackles and 15 tackles for losses they're also losing alignment both offensive and defensively in Walter Stauffer he was their sack leader with seven also started at offensive tackle I want to say then they're losing another lineman in Will Knight he had four sacks and was one of their lead tacklers with 50 then on top of that they're losing another athlete in Chase Robertson uh, was a starting receiver but most importantly had three interceptions on the season for them on defense as well altogether on defense they're losing seven of their 11 top tacklers which is a lot that is the majority of their championship squad uh, from that previous year and so they're definitely losing a lot but they have a lot of very key important players that they are returning probably the most important player is josh bates their three-star center easily one of the best centers in the entire country if not the best center the entire country rated a little bit low probably should be a four-star five-star by now in my honest opinion but i'm a little biased so there you go but uh honestly josh bates brings a incredible and i mean incredible level of nastiness to the field when he plays football sets the tone right away and he's going to be the tone setter for durango one more time one more ride here in this 2022 season he is going to be playing center for them uh, i don't know if he'll be playing defense or not but for sure he's going to be playing center and he's going to be a big part of this offense just being able to set the tone and just be a people mover while also being an excellent pass blocker as well one of the top football players in the entire state period uh easily top two top three so there you go uh, behind him, you're going to have a star running back in Zachary Haber. Zach Haber, uh, despite being in a running back by committee type of deal last year, led the team as a junior in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns with 1,358 rushing yards and 19 touchdowns. Also had 18 receptions for 308 receiving yards and a touchdown. Easily one of the most talented backs in the entire state. Definitely somebody that is up for one of the top senior running back uh, players in the entire state. He might make that list. We'll see. Uh, definitely will be an honorable mention for sure. But uh, this star running back is just getting started. We'll probably see an even bigger season this next season. So be on the lookout for that. On top of that, you have Jarek Baruch, I want to say. That's how you say his last name. But Jarek here, uh, look for him to be a productive partner in the backfield with Zach Haber here 
on top of that, he was also one of their top tacklers with 68, so it just helps bring back another athlete that plays both sides of the ball, so definitely a guy to look out for. Then you have AJ Folk at 6'2", 215. He can take on a bigger role for this defense at outside linebacker, also being kind of a bigger body target for the quarterback in the passing game. Last year, did have some splash plays, catching for 251 receiving yards on only five receptions. It's pretty good, you know, so definitely a big athlete to look out for uh, on both sides of the ball. And then finally, last but not least, you have their quarterback, Tyler Harms, started him as a sophomore, and he passed for 1,113 yards on 55%, which is pretty solid, at a 14 touchdown to 6 interception ratio. Pretty good as a first-time starter for this Durango team. Obviously had to fill in the shoes for Jordan Wolverton. Um, and, you know, he's moving in that direction. And honestly, just looking at some of, some of his film, he looks pretty good. I saw a lot of flashes that I like. And so going to this season as a junior definitely is going to take a step forward. So we'll see about him here. Um, just wanted to note this out, though. Did have a solid performance against a tough Mead squad in the playoffs, going 5-7 of seven for 80 yards and a touchdown. Also had a rushing touchdown in that game. Moving forward, he's going to help power this offense and hopefully take the load off of the running game as well and help them make a deeper run in the playoffs. So before we talk about playoffs, which we probably won't really in this episode, let's go ahead and talk about this upcoming season and their 2022 schedule. So I'm going to just go down the line here. To start the season on August 26th, they play at home versus Farmington. I think that's going to be a game they should win. I looked into Farmington. They're losing a lot of seniors as well, but I think this time around, Durango should get the edge on them, so I'm going to give them that edge. Then, just like last year, they've play Piedra Vista and Aztec. I think those are both dubs. Then they go away and play Grand Junction Central, which is going to be kind of a far game here, uh, but they should beat them. Then they play Mead at home. That's potentially a game I might go to, if not some of these other games near the end. Uh, Mead, I mean, this will be a rematch of last year, but Mead is losing a lot. This should be a game that they should be able to take care of. Then they play Summit, who they should beat. They play Glenwood Springs. They have a quarterback over there in Joaquin Sandoval. And some other guys. Might be a closer game depending on how Sandoval plays, but they should be able to beat them. Then they play Eagle Valley away. Should beat them. Then they play Palisade. Palisade is... A really interesting team to me. I think this is the one game where I don't have them favored in outright. Palisade has a very dangerous running attack. I mean, I'm looking at Fallon Savalti, Malachi Espinosa, and like just, uh, uh, oh my bad, Franklin Barks, I believe, is going to be returning as well. They got a lot of guys returning for Palisade. And Durango here, I mean, they're losing a lot defensively. And if there's anything I'm concerned about when it comes to this Durango team, it's this defense. I'm concerned about the lack of experience they have. Offensively, I kind of feel like they're going to lean, lean on that a little bit more this season. And that's going to make up for some of their shortcomings defensively. But this is going to be a tough game. Um, actually, this might be the game I might go to on on November or on October 28th here. Hopefully if it's not like too bad of a weather down there, but uh, that should be a good game there regardless, but I do have them losing that one. But then they play Battle Mountain the next week, which they should beat. So altogether, I have 
Durango going 9-1 and one on the season. And honestly, their window of wins is 8-10. to 10. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they go undefeated, just straight up. Uh, their schedule, first off, isn't as crazy as last year's, that's for sure. And that benefits them, even though they are losing a lot of players, especially on the defensive side of the ball. The only teams I really see as real threats to them on this regular season is Farmington, Glenwood Springs, and Palisade. I think realistically they drop either the Farmington game or the Palisade game, but that's about it. Other than that, I think this Durango team, even though they're losing a lot defensively, offensively, I trust them to be extremely productive. Probably a top five, top three offense in the entire state. I'm looking at their certified stars and Joshua Bates and Zach Aber to really turn up for this team, along with a more experienced Tyler Harms who could really benefit from those two guys, but, you know, continue to develop and be a top-tier player as well. And then I'm looking at the coach, Coach Casebeer, who we obviously have a lot of respect for here on the podcast to, you know, get this team ready and get them right. And moving forward, as long as they're healthy, I really do think this cannot not only be a team that makes the playoffs but absolutely is a contender moving forward and might even make a return trip back to state but we will see Man, I'm just excited thinking about that Durango squad. I ain't gonna lie, it's gonna be lit. But all these teams in general, they're gonna have some pretty interesting seasons. Um, there are some interesting stars and rosters to look through, some coaching staff moves to look through as well when doing this research, uh, at least for this episode. So there you go. But uh, thank you so much for rocking with us. That was the last team that I'm going to cover on this episode here. Uh, if you want to go ahead and know when the next season previews will drop, go ahead and show some love on social media. Follow us on social media at Playmakers Corner on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. We'll be posting excerpts from episodes there, so you could check uh, out those in case you don't want to listen to a full episode. That's fine. But go ahead and follow us on our YouTube channel and Twitch at Playmakers Corner. We are posting uh, these as shorts and full episodes on there, too, if you want to check it out there. And uh, yeah, keep rocking with us. We're going to cover every 11-man football team here in the state of Colorado before the 2022 season, or at least before that August 26th kickoff date, which is what we're going to go ahead and say is the official date. And uh, yeah, thank you for rocking with us, and we will catch you later.